Greetings. Welcome to this Power for Positive Living podcast. My name is James Huey. I am your host for this podcast series, offering openness and caring through the gifts of listing hospitality. I invite you to join me here on Friendship Podcast Radio as we explore diverse topics to enrich the quality of your life. Power for positive living and friendship. One basic human need seems to be for each of us to experience psychological intimacy with others. Regardless of our age or life circumstances, we seem to strive for some type of deep human connection that can be defined as intimacy. The ways we each use to meet this need in our lives are varied, just as we are truly individuals. How we each meet our intimacy needs can probably best be described with the life guideline of different strokes for different folks. While the need to have intimacy seems similar to all of us, we soon discover that there are different types of intimacy for us to seek. For example, there is the physical intimacy that may be the first one thought of by many when the word intimacy is used. While seeking this type of physical intimacy is certainly very common, one can learn that there are many different types, such as psychological intimacy, spiritual intimacy, social intimacy, intellectual intimacy, or even financial intimacy. Each of these types of intimacy can vary in degree. Seldom do we encounter the binary choice of either needing a certain type of intimacy in our lives or not needing it. And the degree of intimacy that we need and seek can alter from time to time as our circumstances change. According to the transactional analysis theory of psychology, Intimacy is only one of six basic ways that you and I spend our time currency. We usually spend less time in intimacy than in the other five ways. It seems more rare for us to experience the spontaneous thoughts, feelings, and the emotional vulnerability of intimacy. What is this intimacy that we seem to need so much? Wellness psychology conveys the life guideline that each of us has a deep need to be heard and understood by another human being. This belief of being heard and understood is one way for us to define psychological intimacy. While the part about talking to be heard is sometimes more acknowledged and practiced, The part about being understood as a unique human being can be more challenging. Listening has many components. When we listen, we avoid multitasking so that our focus is entirely on another and is complete. We hopefully use open-ended questions more than we pontificate on a favorite subject. 
Most of us are trained not to listen and understand another. Basically, we are trained to prepare a reply for when we get to talk. We can avoid multitasking while listening and preparing a response at the same time if we truly wish to understand what another is sharing. Effective listeners who seek to understand another in a form of psychological intimacy avoid equating their experiences with others. After all, all experiences are individual. How can we truly understand another person when the content of our conversation is basically about our experiences and us? Intimacy can also be defined as a state of extreme interpersonal closeness. While this may not occur in a state of physical closeness, it certainly is not limited to that situation. The physical aspects of intimacy can just be easier for us to see or visualize. Intimacy is likely when the transactions between persons are loving and affectionate to some degree. There is a relationship of deep understanding when traits like openness and caring are present. Psychological intimacy has traits like trust along with vulnerability to risk. Traits like openness, trust, and vulnerability can be difficult to welcome comfortably into our world. Often we do not get to experience intimacy to the degree that we prefer when we value comfort and safety more than the benefits of intimacy. In many ways, psychological intimacy meets the definition that this podcast series often uses as a definition of a friend. Psychological intimacy is more likely when the participants can be open and are encouraged to be their true selves. Being one's true self is a different way of thinking, feeling, and behavior from our typical traits that do stress comfort and familiarity. We all know the expected and practice scripts and roles of the other five ways we spend time. We have learned so well over the years the various roles and facades we have to build safely with other people while maintaining some degree of personal comfort. This so-called psychological clothing is easy to choose and change when needed. If you do not like what I am wearing, I can easily change to something you might like better. If you do not like what I am discussing or exploring, I can easily change the content or the method to suit your comfort level. Others tend to be more comfortable when we are psychologically clothed rather than exposing our inner self through emotional nudity in an open manner. We have learned to be safe in many ways, like camouflaging ourselves, as well as becoming quick change artists to protect our emotional self. There are many numerous ways for us to experience psychological intimacy with others. One of the most frequently used is the content choice that we make for our interactions with other people. 
Different topics elicit different responses. It can be fairly obvious that interacting about the weather is going to involve a completely different set of skills than a discussion of our severe illness, falling in love, or our fear of experiencing loneliness as we age. We probably know some individuals who make the choice to think, feel, and behave as though all content of interactions with others is best handled in the same way. These persons believe that one way of thinking, one way of feeling, and one way of behaving can be fitted to the needs of all people. I do strive to honor these choices by others, even when I disagree. One characteristic of psychological intimacy is a behavior known as emotional nudity. Nudity is usually thought of in a physical sense, like removing all clothing barriers between our body and others. We can more easily differentiate visually between a state of nakedness and a semi-nude state like wearing beachwear. We as a society tend to limit one's behavior of physical openness with appropriateness. After all, appropriate behavior is the price, the price that we each pay for the opportunity to live with other people. Emotional nudity, on the other hand, is not especially visual like physical nudity is. It is certainly a lot more difficult to understand and to be aware of the varying degrees present. The degree of physical nudity can be determined quickly, while emotional nudity may never be fully exposed and learned regardless of the amount of time shared with another. Both types of nudity can expose changes taking place within a person, but the emotional type seems to do a better job of concealing itself from the observation by others. Whether one is discussing intimacy and or nudity, it is probably healthy for each of us to recall again that there is no one definition that fits all people. Based on our own life journey, we have developed personal definitions, personal values that uniquely fit us. It tends to be healthy to also remember that even when we use the same word like intimacy, we each usually have our own idea of what that word does and does not mean. One of the joys of practicing listening is that we each have the opportunity to learn from the experiences and perceptions of other people. It seems that most people have different degrees of comfort in being open or exposed to others, whether it be the familiarity of the human body or exposing our true thoughts, our true feelings, our true values about ourselves and our world. Even though the major components of the human body are similar from one person to another, many people are uncomfortable with physical exposure. Our society goes to great effort to dictate what is and what is not appropriate to share with others. And this complexity becomes more challenging when emotional openness is present. John Powell wrote in his book 
called Why Am I Afraid to Tell You Who I Am? He wrote that most of us prefer some type of barrier between our real self and other people. Our willingness to share our inner self with others can feel safer and more comfortable with some type of barrier that we can choose to open or keep closed with the concept of degrees. After you and I do share who we are and what we have to offer in thoughts, feelings, and values, we are open to being judged acceptable or not by others. Since I, like most humans, actually do want to be liked, what am I to do if you do not like what you see or what I have exposed to you for your judgment? It can often be too late for me to cover myself and invent a new me. While we say that the human body comes in two basic models and is not a dramatic surprise to others when exposed, it can be quite different when we share our true psychological or emotional self. I believe that most people would quickly notice if I suddenly had three eyes or four feet. However, most people that I know would not quickly notice if I had thoughts or feelings that were deemed unacceptable. They were deemed weird or perceived as negative by many of those around me. So, how do I handle the process of recognizing my need for psychological and emotional intimacy with others while balancing with the awareness that sharing the real stuff about me can be very risky and it certainly has the opportunity to place me in a very vulnerable spot. Most people recognize that the binary choice of either exposing myself to another or not doing so is not always the healthiest choice. While any physical exposure can be quickly corrected, The exposure of myself to others in an emotional sense allows me to be be more vulnerable to judgment, and it certainly involves me taking more risk. I, on the other hand, recognize the value of degrees in my choices and act appropriately. From this brief discussion of psychological intimacy, we can see why most of us spend a relatively small amount of our daily time in the state of intimacy. We can be much safer in the more familiar transactional analysis states of withdrawal, rituals, activities, pastiming, or participating in psychological mind games. These five states allow us the safety of participating with others in a relatively safe state of scripted life patterns and with low rates of risk and vulnerability. The five states produce enough stress in our lives by themselves, so why would I seek out the unknown risk that may take place with the deep emotional connections that intimacy brings with others? Being fully human encourages us to seek out the safe and satisfying aspects of life as well as make choices that will provide us the benefits and risk of deeply connecting with others through the processes of intimacy. 
How each of us decides to chart that path for their own life is always a personal series of choices. Each of us has lived a unique path of experiences that fits only us. You and I can bring that past into the present so that we make healthy choices for our future. I believe that embracing psychological intimacy is a critical and healthy aspect of the power of choice. This is your friend and host, James Huey. Thanks for listening to me on these podcasts as I share viewpoints from my own experiences with wellness psychology. These are my gifts to you, my listeners. Please join me next time as we continue to explore diverse topics to enrich the quality of your life. Also, feel free to re-listen to other podcasts in this series, which are now posted on our website at pfpl.us. As your friend and host here on Friendship Podcast Radio, I always encourage you to value and nurture yourself as the unique individual that I believe you are. Until next we meet, I remain committed to power for positive living and friendship. Good day. Good day.